Welcome to the Secure AF Podcast. I'm Jonathan. This is Tanner. And we're back with you talking about Pentest. Tanner, we, uh, your job has been Pentesting for how long? Uh, about three years at Alias. Okay. So you've got a fair amount of experience and I rely on Tanner a lot because he's my go-to person whenever I have questions or if I'm uh, needing to answer questions for clients and stuff. So I hope this is going to be a great podcast. Um, specifically why I think we, uh, we really want to cover is the different kinds of pen tests, uh, a little bit about how to think about them, you know, from the engagement perspective and how, you know, the organization can use them or the, the, the end result of them. So, uh, first tell us just a little bit about when you think about pen test for an organization, what do you think about what, what is a pen test? Just to kind of that broad definition of pen test. So a penetration test is where somebody's going to come in and find ideally all of these security flaws and hopefully have you not only find them, but find them, how they can actually execute them, how they can exploit them, what they can do with them, show impact with what they can do. So it has to be all of those things. It can't just be Here's your vulnerabilities. It has to be, here's your vulnerabilities. Here's the ones I could exploit because it's usually not all. Right. And here's once I exploited what I could do. Right. So for example, it might be like, hey, I found you had outdated VMware RCE. From there, I could fire this RCE and I could get access to create a user. I created a user and then from there, I had access to your Veeam. Here's where I could delete your Veeam backups. Right. Right. That's a, that's a full step, right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. one attack path. You should find multiple, but still that's, that's that. Um, so that's, that's ideally what I would say a penetration test is finding, finding the problems, executing the problems, making sure which ones can actually be executed in real life that are not mitigated by other controls. And, uh, what can you do once you do that? Right. Now I will say as a teaser for another podcast, we're actually going to talk about, it cause I want to talk about what that means to a CISO. And that process you just described going from um, basically zero all the way up to compromise and to a possible negative effect on the organization and how I need to think about that from a CISO perspective and present that to my board and to think about security controls and things like that. So just a little teaser that we're going to get into that. Now, when we're talking about pen tests, not all pen tests are equal. Um, And in fact, we provide a variety of pen test or pen test like things that I think we really need to talk about. Offensive security engagement. There you go. Offensive security <laughs> engagement. Yeah. Um, now, and, and when we're talking about that, I mean, I think uh, the words that always come to my mind when I'm talking to someone is a uh, vulnerability scan mm-hmm. versus a vulnerability assessment. Right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you about those and what those two different things are. Sure. A risk assessment. Then you get into the actual pen test part, and you've got an external pen test, an internal pen test, and there's some varieties in there. Then you have a social engineering test. Mm-hmm. You have a physical pen test. Then you have a red team exercise. Mm-hmm. Are there more? Am I missing any? Well, there's the one that's really hot news right now, the purple team, right? Okay. Which is, um, there's a, there's actually a lot of contention on, on what you want to call it at this point or how you do it. Um, or a lot of the times what it is, is you're working with the blue team. Hey, I did this. Can you see this? Okay. And then sometimes you'll take somebody from your blue team and sit them with their blue team yep. to show while you're doing the red team, what you're doing there. Right. It's a very much training focus thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and there's also uh, one thing we've been doing, which is like a breach assessment. Okay. Where we'll basically we take like a cobalt strike beacon, we take one like a C2 beacon, we drop it on a machine, and then from there we see what can we do. Which it's really realistic to most of the ransomware scenarios that we see. Right, right. Which is through some means, doesn't matter what, through some means, they get a beacon on a machine. What can they do from there? Right. And so if you take a random, random person's machine and you drop a beacon on it, what yep. can they do? Somebody from accounting, somebody from HR, random person, doesn't matter. Yep, yep, you yep. just take it, drop it on there. Um, and we've been doing a ton of those. And those are, uh, I think, really, really valuable. Okay. Now, it's definitely different than like an internal, which, you know, I don't want to 
get us off track. Right, 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 right. But it's definitely different than like an internal where it's kind of more encompassing. It's somewhere between a red team where you're very object-oriented, you're very IR-oriented. Right. And like a pen test where you're like, let me find everything. It's somewhere between, but I think it's really valuable. Right. Okay. Well, I'd like to, I want to know more about that. So, all right, let's start with a vulnerability scan. Um, now, a lot of these are nested in the other ones, like a vulnerability scan. We do those a lot, and I use those a lot on, on all my audits and all of my things that I do mm-hmm. from a CISO perspective. But tell me, what is when somebody says, I need a vulnerability scan, what does that mean to you? Vulnerability, vulnerability scan is uh, go into the application, put in the IPs or host names, whatever options you want, hit scan, uh, print, and here you go. Yep. It comes out with a report saying yep. this is what it found. Yep. Now, vulnerability scan has two or three different versions because you can do unauthenticated, authenticated, and actually a compliance one. So you can yep. scan specifically for compliance, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, there's a million options you can put yep. in there. And there's definitely like a skill curve to that as well, where it's, yes. are you going in and checking all the boxes that you should? Are you, how long do you set the timeouts? Are you trying to rush it with all kinds of uh, do you set low timeouts and did you set a whole bunch of threads? Cause that can make it inaccurate. Did you, you know, there's, yep, there's, yep. there's still more to it, but yeah, that's a little yeah, three there's, main. There's an art form to it. I mean, and, yeah. and that's where the experience comes in. In fact, we were talking and our, on our last podcast about vulnerability scans and using it in conjunction with patch management mm-hmm. to determine, you know, if your patches are getting, if your uh, updates and stuff are going out to machines. Uh, and I had made the comment that, for, you know, and, and I was thinking of it like this, that an authenticated scan was more valuable to me in that case than an unauthenticated scan. And you had made the comment that, uh, well, that I was wrong, but it wasn't in that bad way. It was the fact that an unauthenticated scan really is what the attacker is going to see. Right. So you need to have both of those pieces. Now, I still say that if you're not doing an authenticated scan, that you really should be. You need to scan and see what's happening on the inside of those machines. But I, I see the the benefit of having that unauthenticated scan as a report to evaluate what your 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 threat profile is. Yep. Absolutely. So, okay, so talk to me a little bit about the difference between a vulnerability scan and a vulnerability assessment. Sure. So with the assessment is you have an analyst that's going through it or engineer who is saying, Okay, look, this is what the report says, but I'll be honest, these aren't super critical, even though it might say they are. Let's not focus on those so much. Let's focus on these. It might say that this one's a low, although look, here's the way we can actually exploit this and we can actually do these things. Um, They'll come up with priorities where they say, look, this is your most important ones. These are not so important. This is what you need to be focused on. Uh, And then they'll also say, here's some things you can do for remediation. Right. So it's the human component where you have somebody who's an expert come in and say, look, this is not just an automated document printed from a program here. This is what we think about this. This is what you should do for this. Right. And I think that that, you know, a lot of organizations do the vulnerability scanning. They may have a tool like Nessus Pro or something like that where they're running it. But I think the value is that assessments, Mm -hmm. it's you get the vulnerability scan results and then you're processing it, you know, with experience and with, you know, the the understanding of how that's going to affect the organization. Now, I will say this. A lot of people, they will get vulnerability scans done and they will get the reports. Uh, the problem is, number one, they're not doing it often enough. You know, they might do it once a year, which is a bad idea. And even I don't even recommend a quarter or, you know, every quarter, I you know. I would say once a month um, because, again, I use it for the patch management, you know, correlation, you know, verifying your patches has gone out. But one of the things to keep in mind is if you do not remediate your, um, the problems you find in a vulnerability scan or a vulnerability assessment uh, from one to the next, if you had two consecutive reports that had the same vulnerability on the same machine, without any other mitigation controls, acceptance uh, documents, whatever, um, that could be problematic on a compliance level because you're not fixing anything. And yeah. You were aware of it. You have the report. So uh, I hate to use the word negligent in it, but I do use it in some cases that if you see the same vulnerability 
the same machine on two consecutive reports without any support documentation saying you accept this risk or you've mitigated it other ways, that could be negligence. So keep that in mind, you know, on the, on the audience side. Okay. So that was skills or a, a, a vulnerability scan, a vulnerability assessment. Then we have the risk assessment. Tell me a little bit about what a risk assessment is. I feel like our nomenclature for risk assessment is different than a lot of folks at Alias, for sure. I think with most companies, whenever they say a risk assessment, it's very compliance-focused, and they're very focused on, like, here's our checklist. Um, for us, we have that. Yes, absolutely. Sure. Where we have, you know, here's what antivirus do you use? Does it have functions X, Y, Z focused from NIST 800-171, NIST 800 yep. And there is that component, but we also come through and we do, what are you going to get messed up on a pen test? Right. So where we come right. in and we go, okay, do you have default creds on this stuff? That's not checked in any compliance. Right. But we go through and we actively check default creds on all the low hanging fruit stuff. Right. We check for SMB null sessions. We check for, do we have right access to them specifically? We check yep. to see, um, we, we do a physical walkthrough because I mean, physical is one of our expertises where we walk through, hey, you have camera gaps here and here. Hey, right. this door, this gap, I could just open this with any piece of trash. Look at this. Right. You know, um, we come through and we kind of show that stuff. Uh, and basically, it's meant to be all of the things that we would mess people up. Actually, how we started them is we were doing pen tests for companies that were not ready for them. Right. And right. we would come through and it was just almost making them look bad. Right. Like, and it was it was like, okay, there has to be a better way we can do this. So we, we came up with a more holistic approach. And then we said, okay, what is this? And we said, well, it's kind of our version of a risk assessment. Sure. So that was, that was what we came with. So, well, and I also think that from a risk assessment point of view, it's actually more in line with the most, most compliances want you to do. Right. Um, a lot of people have this idea that you do a risk assessment for, let's say for a compliance, whether it be uh, HIPAA, GLBA, whatever, and you do it once a year. I mean, you go through, quote, a risk assessment and you make some documentation, hopefully, and then that's it. And that is not what I believe the intent of a risk assessment is. It is a process in which you go through and you evaluate a whole bunch of your risks on a regular basis. And then if you have a change, you do another risk assessment. How is this change affecting the security of the environment or the risk of the environment? So I really like the way, from a CISO perspective, how we do risk assessments for an organization, because we're not we're not doing the gap analysis, which is you know talking about you know where we go go get from here to be PCI compliant or right. from here to be the NIST one seventy one or whatever you know pick your framework. Um, it's more involved of hey, let's come in and talk to you, let's work with you, let's engage your organization to figure out what risks you have, whether it's compliance and policy, whether it's physical, whether it's on the network side, whether it's uh, procedures based, you know, it's all those different things. And then we give them that document as a starting point. I, the way I treat it, you know, on support services is you do a risk assessment first mm -hmm. to figure out where everything is you need to fix. Then you start working into like VC so hours and you, figure out, well, okay, how do we fix this? What do we need to do? Then you test those with like a tabletop to make sure you're kind of doing the right thing. Yeah. And after you do a couple of months and you're feeling really good about it, that's when you have a pen test mm -hmm. because you fix some things, you're comfortable, you, you now you want to see what you've missed or what you're not thinking about correctly. And all of a sudden, kerchunk, you have a pen test come in. They find a few more holes, maybe not a lot, maybe a whole bunch. But then you're you're already in that mindset of appropriate change management, appropriate uh, security control mitigation, you know, all these different things. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So, okay. As a risk assessment, now we get into the pen tests. Yeah. Um, now, I've always been, um, to me, there's always been four kinds of pen tests. Um, and there may be more now, but this is what I've always thought about. There was the social engineering test to see if you can get into the environment, an external pen test, again, to see if you can get in, then an internal pen test, what if you did get in, you know, and all the things involved in that, and then a physical, if you can get into the physical building. So yep. I've always thought about from those four points of view, 
So, but I want you to kind of talk about that. So let's talk about the social engineering pen test. What is that? Sure. So for us, it's mostly uh, vishing, which is phone call, social engineering, right? Uh, phishing, which is uh, email, social engineering, smishing, which is text message, social engineering. Okay. Um, and you know, you mentioned physical as well. Um, there's a social component to that. Sure. Where a lot of the times where we talk to people about physical pen tests, we say, do you want us to test your people or do you want us to test your building? Right. And most time people say both. But I mean, a lot of the times we want to get a focus where it's like, look, there's a solid chance that I can walk in there, pop some doors at night, don't set off alarms, go get my objective and leave. That doesn't do you any good testing your, your people. Right. Like, I mean, if you want me to walk in there and just try to sweet talk my way into the server room. Like that's fully social engineering. Yeah. So it, it very, it has a large scale on the physical side. Right. So what is your intent from a social engineering point of view? So let's talk about the, uh, the fishing, 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 things like that. What are you trying to get? What, what is the goal? So it depends on what the customer wants. <laughs> you should work with your team to always, you should work with your, your offensive team to always make sure that you have clear goals set, set okay. goals, set scenarios too. Yep. Um, not just goals. You know, with fishing, it's um, a little more wide, a little more, uh, I don't know, I want to say easy, but you need to test so many people with fishing because it's so yeah. rampant and so yeah. common. There's levels to it where you can say, okay, cool, let's let's hit, you know, this big, huge group of people and we'll send them all with this fraudulent email that has this link that's misspelled by one letter and... If they click on it, they put in their Outlook credentials, and if they do it, they fail. Right. That's great. But then you can get all the way more and more and more specific to some spearfishing stuff. Um, we did one where there was this guy, and he did, uh, he was, we were trying to spearfish this guy, right? And as, as something we did as a red team, he was, uh, he might be listening, so sorry if you are. Uh, <laughs> he was very into Corvettes, we learned. He was he was all, all about Corvettes. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's, the, what's the name of the place? Bowling Green, I think. They do this big Corvette meetup every year. Okay. And uh, we found a post from him on Facebook from years prior where he was trying to get a meetup from the area that he was from to have uh, a Corvette group to meet up and drive to the Bowling Green Corvette thing in the year. And um, we made a face, fake Facebook group where it was like, hey, we're looking to somebody to help drive this Corvette meetup that we're going to do. We're going to go down to this place and we're going to set up. We reached out to him like, would you be interested in helping lead this? And he was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. From that point, getting a malicious link to that guy was the easiest thing ever. You had a hook. Easiest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm going to say is this is different than the normal fishing attempts that people do throughout the year. Yes. That's why I'm trying to say there's levels to it, right? Yes. Where you should, and you should, if you have the budget and the time for it, you should do the levels. Oh, absolutely. You should focus your, we call it you know, whales, your big fish. Yeah. Focus yeah. your whales, you know, people who have a lot of access, CIO, CEO, head of HR even. Like, yeah. Like people who are the whales, you want to like throw it at them. Yeah. See, see if they win. It's going to be harder, but they need to be held to a higher standard as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember when I got one uh, during a pen test, Um, I got an email in and it was not, had anything to do with work. It had something to do with a professional group I was in and I saw it come in and I was responding to it. I was typing the response because the question that was asked was a very common question that I get. I stopped okay, who is this person? So I went and searched and I found two people that had the same background as the person as they stated, but it was a combination of their names. Um, so it's like, ah, okay. And it was a test. It was a pen test. And, um, or at least I felt like it was a pen test. So it's like, okay, delete and, and move on. But it was one of those things that it had nothing to do with the organization, but it had to do with me. <laughs> um, and it was, there was enough wrong with it that, you know, I was like, ah, okay. Yeah, that's, but I started typing the response. It's like, Hey, we meet on blah, blah, blah days. And I stops. So anyway, it's just kind of funny little story that it can happen. And that's the point. So that's the point of making you think differently yeah. about these processes. Okay. So, uh, you talked to social engineering. But you know, you mentioned physical, so talk to me a little bit about physical pen tests. 
Sure. So, so like I mentioned, um, God, with so much of this, it's just, you have to communicate. If there's one thing people take out of this, it's communicate to the people doing your engagement, what you want. Yes. And if they're a good company, they'll work with what you want. Right. So that's, that's usually what we're doing is we're saying, okay, what is your actual threat model look like? You know, and if you're maybe a, uh, try, sorry, I'm running out. I don't want to say too many specific things. I'm thinking of too many specific <laughs> things that I can't say. Um, if you if you're something who has a very very high threat model where national national threats yeah. are a problem, then say that. Say, look, we we could have anything. The Russians could be breaking in here. North Korea could be breaking in here. They might physically send people. We know they've done it. Cool. Yeah. We'll take the gloves off. Right. But if you are like, look, we have had a lot of crackheads breaking into places downtown. Like, tell us that. Right. Or, you know, like, let us know what the problem is and we'll talk to people to kind of get a scenario or sure. several. So oftentimes what we'll do even for like our standard, we'll do like a high, medium, low type of attack where right. we'll have somebody come in who's like, they've got the badge, they've got the shirt, they've got the hat, they've got paperwork, they've got a fake website, they've got a phone number, the spoofs, caller ID, they've got a reason to be there, they've called somebody, they've done pretexting, they've got all that. Right. And that's our high word. They're coming and like, you know that person is there to fix your air conditioner. Right. They're probably getting in. Um, we do our medium, which is like, they look the part. It kind of makes sense for them to be there. Maybe they've got some paperwork. Maybe they've got a badge. But like, there's no pretexting. There's not really a website you can go to. And then we do our low-skilled attack, which is like, this dude wore a polo and khakis <laughs> and popped, in. popped the side door and walked in. And uh, yeah, so, you know, we'll we'll often do that. That way, you know, not just like, Hey, can somebody get in? Can we get in? Right. What gets in? What well, what scenario gets? What in? are they yeah. looking for? Yeah, yeah. What are people catching? And sometimes people catch the high and not the low. Right. So I mean, at that point, it's like okay, we know uh, people when they're confronted, they know what to do. Right. People are not confronting people. Right. And your physical controls suck. Like right. we have, you know, like we can we can really figure out a lot from that. All right. So. When you're talking about doing a physical pen test with people, I mean, at that point, you really are just social engineering them in some way. Sometimes really hard, uh, you know, a badge, uniform, and work. Mm -hmm. and sometimes really low, you're just walking in to see if they stop you as you're walking down the hallway. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that organizations, I mean, you think about if your if your door is broken and you can you can bypass the lock on the door very easily and walk in, that's a problem you need to fix. Sure. Do you think that's more common, or is it more common that you're able to get in through a social side, a people side of convincing them, or they just don't care and they let you walk on through, or they hold the door for you for tailgating and stuff like that? So, which side do you think is more common? Well, firstly, both are very common. Both both are more likely than not for me. Okay. I mean, our, our success rate is into the mid nineties. Like, okay. I mean, it's not like whether no matter which way, it's it's similar. Okay. I think that if you if you ask me, there's very very few buildings that I cannot physically get into. All right, that's fair. Like it's it's very uncommon. Um, right. it might be a pain. There might be some other things we have to do. Sure. But I mean, I'm also willing to you know jump on a roof and go through a window and take a twelve foot drop. Like, I mean, I. If you, if you throw me out of building, you've seen some of the things that I've done. Like, I, I, have, I will yeah. probably get in. Um, you wonder why the alias hoodies are all black. I <laughs> know why. A, a black hat, a black hoodie, a black pants. And yeah, you're, yeah, you're cat burglar. Yeah, it's, it's very true. It's, uh, <laughs> although what's funny is whenever I do that type of stuff, a lot of the times I throw on like khakis and a red, red polo. Like, I want to look inconspicuous but the rest of my life i look like the guy who's breaking in so yeah that's great that's great um what you what people don't know about about tanner and i um i do this this presentation and i've got this half door that i do uh, for allowing people to attack it you know do different things it's uh, it's just fun we do it at conferences we just kind of you know it's fun to do very first day i had it uh, or at least the first conference I had it at, I bring it in, he comes in and, uh, 
he he sees it and he's looking at it and I can just see it in his eye that he was like, okay, I can get in this way and 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 this way. It was just, it's natural. It's, you know, it's kind of a tendency you have when you do this job. So I challenged him. I says, I don't even know what I bet you or if I bet you anything. I said, I bet you can't get into this door with something you find at the conference. Not something he had on him, not something that was in his pack. He Something that he he had that he could get at the conference, Whoa. Out, off he went. He ran up the thing, out the door, and uh, he, he starts heading back in about, I don't know, about a minute later. We see him, and he's downing a water bottle. And uh, uh, he, he's, he's completely empty. So he went to the vending machine. He got a bottle of water, and he's coming down. He's down the water. Um, and then he cuts the water bottle in half and uses that as a... Uh, as a shim to get through the door. And I thought it was great. I thought it was just funny as hell um, that you're, you're living off the land. True. Yeah. Truthfully, you're just <laughs> whatever you have available to you. Um, and you didn't even think about it. I think, I don't know if you thought about it as you were running out, but it wasn't a minute before he left. He was back and he was in the door. So it was a lot of fun. You know, in fact, we have the door, in the hallway down here, we're going to use it for a variety of things soon. Um, but it's uh, so that's that's my my history with Tanner and breaking into <laughs> breaking into stuff. So okay, okay, okay. So we got the physical, we got the social. Let's talk about the external pen test. So this is something that's very common, um, and uh, we do a lot of them. In fact, a lot of our clients, when I go in for an audit, they will have the external pen test there waiting for me so I can review it yeah. doing the audit. So talk to me a little bit about an external pen test. So first off, uh, it's it's the most important thing of anything we've discussed. Okay. Which might be kind of a hot take, but you have to do an external. You have to. There's so many IRs. People think the days of like, oh, you hit an exploit from way far away and yeah. you got in. They think those days are gone. Like, they're not. They largely are. They're not as common, thankfully. Sure. It's not the way it used to be, but it still happens. The majority yeah. of the time, those are the people who are not doing pen tests, who are not doing risk assessments. Right. And, um, you know, we get them on an incident response, and when was your last external? Well, we've never really done one. Right. Okay, cool. What happened? Well, you had this vulnerability that came out six months ago. Right. It's very, very common. Um, so external is, I'm sitting here. I'm going to try and hack your website over there, or your company, or your whatever. We didn't even talk about web app. So, oh yeah, we didn't, yeah, we, we'll, we'll get that. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's mo mainly network focused. Where what's your IPs? What's your domain? We're going to focus on the infrastructure side of this. I'm not trying to fish you. I'm not trying to do things like that. I'm trying to think logically. What can I exploit to right. get through here? What can I get access to that I shouldn't have access to? Did you have bad credentials on anything? Can I use any cloud services to exploit things that shouldn't be here? Okay. Now I'm going to, uh, I agree with you that it is very critical. Um, but I think it's just the first step. It's a very critical first step because I, I think the internal is also very critical Yeah, because of the types of attacks that do come into the organization when you have a very small, um, front facing, um, um, Profile, the threat profile. Yeah. So let me, do you do, when you're doing an external pen test, you said that they give you IP addresses. Mm -hmm. Um, What about other stuff they may have that's not in that list of IP addresses? It all depends on scoping, right? So there's sometimes we'll scope in cloud stuff. I, I, I usually say, what are your IPs and what are your domains? Okay. Um, where I'm going to enumerate the domains, I'm going to see the stuff. And a lot of the times the way that happens is, I enumerate the domains, I find some extra services that didn't give me, and I say, hey, are these supposed to be on the scope before we even start? Right. Um, and then from there, I try to let them add them onto the scope. Sure. They don't always want to. Sometimes there's reasons. Sometimes they just don't want us to touch too much stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I usually try and get those. Um, and then from there, I'm hitting a lot more than what it sounds like. So the primary way that I'm getting users is like enumerating OneDrive. Right. Um, we're hitting SharePoint. We're hitting OneDrive. You know, we're hitting all this stuff. Um, we're not pen testing Microsoft, but there's ways that we can leverage what's there to try and exploit the customer. Right. Talk a little bit about enumeration. So that if people don't know what that means, what does that mean? 
Um, it's just you're digging. It's it's you're searching, right? So if I go, okay, this is you know alias cybersecurity. I'm going to say, how many emails can I find with alias cybersecurity? Is that the email they use to log in? Cool. If that's that, if I can hit everybody, then I know the emails to log in. From there, I can password right. spray. Um, yeah, that type of thing. You can, and that's just enumerating usernames. You can enumerate hosts. You can enumerate right. IP ranges. Everything. Right. Now, I just wanted to make sure that everyone has the same terminology as they're otherwise. Yeah. Sure. This. So, okay. So you you've done an external pen test. Maybe you have found some things. Maybe you haven't. You know, maybe they have a very small profile out there. Uh, with a few, just a few IPs. Talk to me a little bit about the well. We you know we mentioned it, web app pen test. So. Yep. The external pen test is really specifically about their IPs that they are using. Mm -hmm. What is a web app pen test? What does that mean? What does that focus on? So it's focused on the web application itself. What is running on that web server? Not just like what version of Apache is it? Can I exploit that? You know, is there some kind of cross-site scripting? Is there SQL injection? Is there um, a directory that gives too much information? Is there an error message that gives too much information? Right. Um, and really digging into all that kind of stuff to finding out what is there. Did you mess up on the coding somewhere? Did you not sanitize inputs? Do you have an outdated library? That type of thing. And that is kind of a special skill. It is. I mean, web app pen testing has kind of, well, you talked about cross-site scripting, SQL injection, a variety of other things. But in the world of pen testing, that is a specialized skill. Yeah, actually, I'm moving away from web app more and more. Uh, I used to do a lot of it, and I have done a lot of it. Yeah. But um, we have another guy, Robert, who's doing most of my web app at this point, where he's really, really taken to it, and he's gotten really good at it. Yeah. And, you know, at this point, I'm principal engineer, and I would say, like, at this point, I'm going to ask him for questions. Like, right. it's such a specialized skill that yes. it's just like he, you know, you you have to really focus on your web app to know it. Yep. Um yeah, it's it's becoming its own trade is web app pen testing, pen and, testing and web app. And honestly, most of these pen tests that we're talking about, they do have some specialization involved with each one of them. Absolutely. You know, an external pen test, a physical pen test, social media, those are all different specializations. And we have people that do each one of those and are really mm-hmm. good at it. Um, and I know you do a lot of them and you've been doing it for a long time, but not every pen test is the same. Not every pen tester is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that we recommend to people you know, from a VCSO point of view. When I say, okay, you need to get a pen test, whether it's with us or another organization because they have contracts or whatever. I was like, you really need to have this sort of pen test. So it's this type of, you know, these type of pen testers that do this mm-hmm. with these qualifications of this experience because it is not the same. Absolutely. Totally agree. All right, so that's the web app pen test. Talk to me a little bit about the internal pen test. Well, I'll do one more while talking about web app. I'll, okay, I'll yeah. throw a curveball at you. Absolutely, come on. Mobile apps. Oh, um, so yeah. we've done mobile app pen tests and yep, general yep. application pen tests. We'll just call it application pen test. Right. Um, where you say, look, I have this, you know, APK, I have this EXE, whatever. I have this this application um, I'm going to deploy it out to the market. People are going to download it and use it. Can they hack me from it? Right. And that's actually way different from most of the stuff that we do. Uh, we don't do a ton of it, but we do have people, you know, one to a year where people come through and they, they want us to do another you know, their mobile app and test. And people should do more of it. They should do more. Because a lot of those applications are getting out there without any sort of pen test mm-hmm. on them. And if they hit the market with a vulnerability, that's a problem. And that's something that, um... The reason why I say it after web app is because they both focus so much on APIs and everything right. like that, where uh, they have a lot of similarities, but there's also, you go into kind of the code review type of thing and, yep. and looking through all that. Um, so, so yeah, those are, you know, it, it is exactly what it sounds like. We're testing the application. Right. Um, both are heavily API focused at this point. Right. So um, we could, we have done API pen tests as well for people rolling up API pen tests, but I would put that almost in another category of like specialized pen tests. Right. Yeah. And honestly, even the, uh, the mobile app, that's kind of specialized. I'm sure. Those are pieces that if you take somebody who's really good at physical pen tests, they're, they may not be very good at API pen testing or the mobile device pen testing or web app pen testing. So, yep. okay. What about internals? Talk to me a little bit about an internal pen test. Sure. So internal is going to kind of, there's, there's a lot of different ways we can go with it. The kind of standard black box internal is drop me a box on the network or I'll come and I'll plug in. 
and we'll sit there for a week and we'll go through the network and see what we can hit internally. Um, a lot of the times what we do is we bring two engineers and we'll have one person say, hey, think of a user that's likely to get compromised. Clone their account. Give me that account and I'll use that account. We'll go from an authenticated perspective and we'll have another person go from unauthenticated. It's often right. interesting to see who gets further faster. Sometimes unauthenticated does. Right. Because sometimes you could just get like a, you know, a relay session of a domain admin and it's like two hours in, like, boom, we're done. Oh, you got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so those are, those are always fun. But um, yeah, and we're just going to go there and we're going to hit everything as if we already got inside. What could an in- insider threat do? What could a compromised account do? What could somebody who snuck a box onto the network do? If somebody broke into your Wi-Fi, what could they do? Right. Um, so talk to the person about the customer about what is the what is the concerns like what are what are you wanting to know about you know and then it's not only not only do we just stop there okay these are your concerns we'll test those concerns it's just for them to find concerns they may have not even thought of right so right. we're gonna test everything um, and it, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying before where it's you have to show what the exploits are can you actually exploit them what is the impact. And that that will step it's all step all the way to total business compromise, right? To the point of, okay, look, I was able to fire a responder and I got a password. The then can I exploit that? Yes, it was a weak password. I cracked it. Here it is. What can I do from that? Oh, I can log into this machine. Right. Then once I'm logged into that machine, what can I do? Well, I can dump hashes. Okay, what can you do with those hashes? Again, crack it. Keep going. Right. Like you know, you can yeah, and you, and you need to show on the internal the whole the whole step through the process to total compromise. But also, um, you need to show all of the the problems, not not just one. You need to show what all can we exploit to get to whatever goal we have or to multiple goals, not just like, hey, I have this one attack path. Cool. Have a good day. Was there five more you didn't catch? Right. Because if so, that customer is still vulnerable and you didn't do your job. Right. And I'm going to qualify it. You, you try to find as many as you can. Mm-hmm. There's always a possibility you don't find everything. Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah. Sure. So that's that's one of the things that yeah, I always kind of warn people on is the, the, the from, again, the CISO perspective, a pen test shows you all the things that they've tried and all the things that they found. Mm-hmm. It's possible that there's other things that they did not find or did not, you know, try because of time. You should assume it's the case. Yes, absolutely. I think too many people say, oh, the pen test didn't find anything, so I'm safe. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, not exactly. It shows you're doing good things, and that's great, but you should still be you know, providing due diligence in your processes and your controls right. and continuing testing and continuing evaluating because there may be something that, again, time just didn't let them get to at that time, you know, because pen test engagements are anywhere from a couple of days to a couple of weeks to a couple of months. Um, and sometimes you need longer than that to find a particular avenue. And I will say, um, internals are very important. People oftentimes think, oh, if they have, if they got it, it's over. No, it's not. It's not the case. Right. I have done several internals where we got shut out. Like there's just nothing. We're there for four days and we're like, man, I don't know. <laughs> right. I got into two of your printers. Like, you know, <laughs> there, there are, there are internals where it's just, and and those are those are good because if that yeah, yeah because I do I do think you know if it's not an if it's a win that type of thing yeah, will yeah. somebody get compromised yeah, yeah, yeah. they probably will yeah. but if they can't get far you're doing good like you need to you need to be there was it you who were telling me that you actually this you or maybe somebody you got DA your domain admin but you couldn't do anything with it yeah that, that's happened a couple of times yeah where it's just so locked down through micro segmentation. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you had it. It's, and no one's going to say, well, you got domain admin. That's, but you had the account. You just couldn't do anything with it. So, in situations like that, it's good to know that number one, your domain admin got compromised. But it's also good to know that even if it did, you have enough security controls in place that you might mitigate some of that risk. Yeah. So, okay. That was internal. Yep. Um, and that's kind of the four, physical, social, inter- external, and internal. Talk to me what a red team engagement is. Now, Philip, um, he talked about that. You know, at a, He mentioned it on a previous podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, but what is that red team engagement? Well, why is it different? 
Red team engagements are not a pen test. Red team engagements are to test your instant response in your blue team. Okay. That's that's way, way, way dumbed down what it is. Right. So it's it's goal-oriented and object-oriented. It is not oriented upon, uh, let's find all the vulnerabilities and exploit them. Right. So oftentimes the way it is, is I'm working with one person in the company, and uh, they'll give us a goal, or or maybe a checklist of goals, maybe flags, whatever. We'll start to work towards them. Let's say we get them all. Okay, cool. We got all the goals. What now? Well, they haven't said anything. They haven't noticed anything. They'll follow up with them. They haven't noticed anything. Cool. We'll set some more goals. We still have time frame. First right. off, we set our time frame. Right. Um, there are entire books on this subject, so this is way condensed. Uh, sure, Joe, sure. Joe Vest has a fantastic book on this. Um, there's lots of, lots of reading you can do. Right. Um, but set your time frame. Okay, cool. We still have months left. What are we going to do? All right, let's set some more goals. We want you to do X, Y, Z, but be louder. Okay, cool. Okay. Let's be louder. Let's make some noise. Let's see what they notice. Um, let's say hypothetically they don't notice or they notice something and they just said, oh, false positive, whatever. Right. Then we start doing more and more. And it might be to the point of like, hey, we just want you to drop iCar on the desktop of every machine in the network. <laughs> I have done that. And that was hilariously fun. Um, but, you know, that type of thing. So it's it's really testing are people following procedure? Are they following the response properly? Are they actually doing their job and getting the response? Right. So the, the pen test is to find what can you exploit? Right. The red team is to find how are people going to react to it? Okay. Largely. All right. And that's that's oversimplified. People argue with me. Uh, sure. And a lot of the times red teams are, you know, from the outside, you'll just be like, okay, cool. Here's our organization. You're a bad guy. Go attack it. Right. And we also get really specific where people be like, hey, I'm really concerned about the uh, Ukrainian power grid attack that happened in 2021. Right. I can emulate that. Right. I can do everything they did. I can right. do that exactly like that. And in some cases, you, for a, a, an organization, they need to do that to understand how vulnerable they are to those known risks, yes. things that have happened. Yes. And that becomes effectively a risk assessment. Uh, adversarial emulation, yeah, it is yeah. from the organizational side. That is, you know, if I'm if I'm doing oil and gas, I'm going to look around and see what's happened in other parts of the industry and go, I might be vulnerable to that particular attack. I need to have someone come in and help me either perform the attack so that I could do a risk assessment on that process. Yes. So it's an internal documentation process for risk assessment of that known risk in the industry. Yep, absolutely. So okay. We've covered we've covered a lot, and it's forty three ish minutes or so. Uh, but let me ask you: This is something that I've, I've kind of asked before, and I, I kind of know the answer, but I think it's a fun question to ask. If I'm an organization, let's say I'm a large organization, um, two thousand employees, ten thousand computers, something like that. And I, I come to you and I say, I want you to do anything you want to me. Not because I'm cocky, not because I think you're not going to be successful, but because I want to know. I'm a CISO that mm -hmm. I need to know what you're going to do. I need to know what the re end result's going to be. And I say, I will pay for whatever you want to do. What is it you're going to do? What is that process in your head that you're going to set up? to help me understand what my risks are. So I would set that up. Well, I might even want to do it as a, as a, if somebody said, look, budget's not an option, we can do anything. I would probably set it up as like a two-step thing where first off, I would do a risk engagement or, or sorry, a risk assessment. Okay. Um, and I would come through and I would say, okay, cool. Let's, let's do all this stuff. How long do you need to, to fix these things? Okay. Let's, let's fix these things. Um, and then from there, maybe do some type of a red team engagement. Okay. Where we're going, okay, cool. Because, yes, a red team engagement is different from a pen test, but you can cover everything in a pen test sure. that came with a red team. So let's go, okay, cool, let's let's have a component to this where just have flags, right? Again, it's it comes down to, as, as the customer coming to an organization like us, it's really what you want. If you right. say, I want to make sure that you physically break in, I want to make sure that you social engineer somebody, I want to make sure that you call somebody on the phone, 
Yep. I want to make sure that you try to exploit these services externally. I want you to get internally somehow. If you can't get internally somehow, let me know. We'll start off that way. Right. Um, you, you know, you want to go through the, the whole thing and then you want to have goals. You want to say, from there, I want to show impact of, we have business merger plans. I want you to see if you can get business merger documents exfiltrated. Right. Um, those type of things. You need to make sure that you know what is going to be impactful to your organization. Because when you take it to the board, take it to your CEO, whoever, you want it to be serious. Right. So get you need to know and guide them to help yourself, not just help them. The, you know, that's the big thing is they're working for you, not against you. Right. Right. So right. you need to take the, take it and say, look, these are the things that would be really hurtful to us if you got them. Right. And then let them try to get them. Yep. Um, yeah. So I think that's the type of thing that I would do is it's really a lot of, you know, a good, a good engineer should be talking to the client and saying, what do you guys want? What's your yep. concern? Yep. Not only that, suggesting new concerns, but yep. what if this happened? What if this happened? Right. I mean, I try to do that on every every kickoff call, every kind of engagement that I'm on. Yeah. Um, you know, I always try not to be like, I'm not trying to upsell people and stuff. I'm trying sure. to say like, what what could be the problem? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and I've always, you know, I've always held that a CISO should know more or less what the results of the pen test is going to be. I agree. They should know, I have some risks here. I have some risks here. I And they can be probably compromised. They should not necessarily be surprised on anything that comes up as the report of your pen test or the red team exercise. So for those organizations that are there, that's where red teaming really comes in. Yeah. Where it's, okay, you you know what you know what can happen, but what happens when it does? Right. That's where red teaming is super, super. Right. And a lot of it is you, it's not just the pen test value, the report that you get. It's the process that, of your own team did they catch it? Mm-hmm. Did they see it? Did they see it after the fact? Um, you know, one of the interesting things is the last time I had a pen test uh, when I was with the organization, um, I was watching, you know, I had my machines up monitoring all the scans that were going through. Um, and number one, I knew it was happening. So I got to watch it. I found it fascinating because no one else saw it. Even people, that were supposed to see it, they didn't see the scanning. They didn't see the attempts. They didn't see the brute force. Um, and it was really telling to me about that, um, number one, log collection, and number two, log evaluation. You know, yeah. actually looking in your logs to tell what's going on. And so as soon as I saw that, I immediately started putting plans together. I was like, all right, how do I make it easier to alert on this stuff? How do I make it, even though in the beginning it's quiet, you know, it's very gentle uh, scanning. At the very end, it is just full-blown, you know, all the way to the floor scanning, just as loud as you could be. But it is something that, as a CISO, I should know that, ah, that's where they're going to get me at. I don't have good uh, tools or I might not have good processes or, in some cases, good people monitoring that piece. Right. So, okay. So there was another question that I had. It was going to be really fun, and I can't remember what it was. Um, darn it. We have we have one more thing I can I can mention. Okay, um, go ahead. One of the things. Did we talk about breach assessments already? We didn't. You had you had spoken about it before. That is something that's you know not necessarily new, but it's kind of a new concept. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. So what a lot of people are having us do is they kind of said like. What are people not doing? And what we came up with is what we see in a lot of these, you know, incident response scenarios where it's like ransomware and stuff. Yep. The first part, blah, 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 it's going to happen. Right. At some point, a machine's going to get compromised. Sure. And so it's a lot like an internal, but what, what they'll do is, you know, we're still sitting here. We're not there. We're not as engaged as we are an internal. Right. Um, it's somewhere between an internal and a red team. But what we do is we follow like a ransomware playbook or whatever playbook makes sense for what we're doing. We don't deviate from it too much, but we try and stay like, this is what these guys are doing. We're going to do this. Where you drop a C2, you whitelist it usually because, again, it's going to happen. Right. You can either pay me to spend hours on obfuscation or you can just whitelist it because you accept that it's yep. going to happen. Yep. Either way is fine. And choose what you want to do. In my opinion, it's a whole lot smarter to use those hours for something productive than something that's bound right. to happen either way. Right. right? So, 
because I can either burn an obfuscation on you or you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. So yeah, whatever you want to do there. But we'll take that and we'll just see, can we take this and move laterally through the network? Can we privilege escalate? Can we go here? Can we exfiltrate data? Can we do uh, push a program out that would be our encryption? Right. Um, so yeah, those are something that we're doing a lot and people are really getting a lot of value in those yeah. too. Where it's something that's a little different than your normal pen test um, and it's not a full pen test. It's not meant to be, right. but it is something that's very, very real world. We modeled right. it after what we were seeing in this response. And I, I, you know, on this side, treat that as kind of that risk assessment. Yeah. What happens when they're here doing that? What are we doing? What are we responding to? How are we? So I, I think that that's, that's great. Um, again, it's not a full pen test. It's not really meant to be, but it, right. it does help the organization understand their risks. Yep, so hundred percent. Okay, well, we're right at about fifty minutes. Um, Tanner, thanks for coming on with me. And yeah, and this uh, is always. I uh, what I hope is the the next podcast we do we actually flip, where you ask me the questions from a CISO point of view, or <laughs> how I think about pen tests and what I do with them, um, because I think that. Because I've got, yeah, you know, as a CISO, I need to take that information and use it in my organization correctly. Uh, all too often, I think CISOs don't know how to use that. And I really want to cover that. So we're going to uh, maybe next time, maybe the next time after that, depending on how the the schedule plays out, we're going to um, uh, flip the hosts, and Tanner's going to ask me a bunch of questions about the CISO side of, of pin tests, and and we'll talk about how how. That helps the organization not just check a box, but actually helps them improve their security. So, again, thanks for coming on. I hope everyone had a, a good time kind of understanding the different pieces of pen tests, different kinds of pen tests. And uh, there, there's a lot to this topic. We just kind of scratched the surface on every one of these. Yeah. Uh, it's really involved, but it's also really important. Uh, if you are going to get a pen test, um, you need to kind of understand all these different pieces. And know what you're going to do um, when you when you go and contact the company and say, "Hey, I need a pen test." Well, we talked about six or seven or eight of them. You know, what kind do you need? What is the effect? What is the so? so that's why we wanted to do this is to kind of give you a, a broad look across the across the board on pen tests. So, thanks. We we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in for this podcast. Uh, stay tuned for the next one uh, coming out probably in another week or so. Uh, otherwise, you guys have a great time, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks.